0: What is it that you would want to share with me as a man by way of being known and being valued as a woman that can help me as a man be able to love women?
1: Friends, this is Morgan and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Hopefully you could tell from that first bit of content, that teaser, uh, that this is going to be a unique one. So I am just coming out of the initial launch of Becoming a King and it was wild. It was beautiful. Um, holy to see the stories of God working to spread this message around the world among a like hearted tribe to reach the many and to find the few. And part of that is consenting to a pretty uh, enduring process of being featured on some 40 podcasts so far, radio interviews, live radio, and a lot more to come. But it was a fascinating experience. Uh, I I could do an episode simply on what it's like to go through that process. I think it'd be very interesting and says a lot about God and his kingdom and how there is a war um, at work in these days. Uh, fighting for good against just an agenda of the world, but in all of it is the prevailing goodness of God. In all of it is this thread of God intervening, God at work and making a way where there is no way. So in all the podcasts I did, I actually was only featured by one woman. And it was actually really sad to me because it was one of my favorite podcasts. Felt like the spirit of God was really thick in the room when um, Nancy and I recorded. And I was really proud of her. It was courageous of a woman to be willing to engage on topics like masculinity and men mishandling power. And I was so um, hoping that there were more podcasts that women led that had a genuine curiosity to uh, explore issues of masculinity and a genuine willingness to name the ways that men have not been able to love as we are intended to love women. But Nancy Carmichael in the Isle of Misfits was a a brave lone woman that wanted to host a Becoming a King podcast. So in the process of doing all these podcasts, there were several that really stood out as ones that I thought would be particularly beneficial to this tribe of like-hearted kingdom apprentices. So over time, I'll feature various podcasts where I was hosted on someone else's podcast. This recording was done on Skype and the quality is not um, as good as normal recordings that we do for our podcasts in-house with our own team. So you have to forgive a little bit of the lack of quality. I'm sure the content will more than make up for it. It took some very personal turns and was very sacred between myself and Nancy Carmichael and The Isle of Misfits. Hope you enjoy.
2: It may be evident, but then again, in our current day and age, maybe not, that I, your humble host, here on The Isle of Misfits, am indeed a woman. And why do I tell you this? Well, maybe uh, maybe because I know a lot of you out there in misfit land, like me, also are women. And in a way... We are entirely the wrong audience for our very special guest today, who's here to talk about, well, men. So yeah, we're the wrong demographic, and yet, are we really? I'm going to say an emphatic no, but before I explain why, let me first welcome our very special guest. Morgan Snyder wrote a book that he's here to talk about today called Becoming a King, The Path to Restoring the Heart of a Man. So, welcome, Morgan Snyder. What a joy to have you here with us today.
0: Nancy, thank you. It is an honor, and let me start by saying I am so glad that you're a woman. Why, thank I'm you. I'm so glad I'm with you. You're a lovely woman. You're a joyful woman. I've already enjoyed connecting with you before the show. And, um, Nancy, it's really interesting. I've interviewed, I've had many podcasts with many men and you are the first woman that I've had the privilege to, uh, be in this sacred Uh, space with. and so grateful. I'm really moved. And what's interesting, I'll I'll just get really authentic right from the beginning. I, I feel emotion come up in me as we engage in this conversation. And I've just learned to listen to the landscape of my soul, Nancy, and just let it be a teacher and a guide. And as the emotion emotion comes up, what I'm struck by is the primary mission in offering the message of becoming a king to the world was for women, Mm -hmm. first and foremost for women, and then for children. And it was offered through the hope that as men are restored and they become the kind of men that can be entrusted with the care of the hearts and lives of other people, they can bring strength. They can bring power in the service of love and the service of something good. But I want to just begin by reflecting a confession. It was early in my life as a young, young man coming out of boyhood into manhood that I was not a good man. And I was not a good man towards women I was an uninitiated boy in a growing man's body. And I, as I look back over the, the geography to the geography, of my story, Nancy, what I see is it was a man looking to answer his question of, am I a man? Do I have strength? Do I have something to offer? Do I have what it takes? And I used women to try to answer the ache in my soul that only something beyond me, only God could answer. And so there was a lot of pain, a lot of damage, and a lot of years of making amends and seeking forgiveness, seeking healing and restoration. And so just to begin, I want to say I'm so honored that a woman would risk hosting the space for me to come and offer uh, this message because it is my deep hope That the fruit of this quietly and indirectly and not in the headlines, but in fact, by actions of men, that women would be blessed. They would be loved, cherished, valued, and be strengthened by men who champion what God has put in their hearts.
2: Hmm. Okay, so there's so much about what you just said that I just loved. And what I'm hearing, we have a role as women in the restoration of men and and it's both ways you know we both i think men have men have appealed to women to answer that ache. women have done the same thing and and we're all trying to get to the heart of god right um so we have a role in each other's lives, in each other's paths. So how do we do that? How do we do that well? Mm. And I kind of love that we're just jumping right in because, you know, I usually uh, try to navigate our way into the deep waters via a stupid game. And maybe we'll get to that, but maybe not. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, let's, let's start here because like I said, I, you know, I'm totally the wrong audience, but, uh, but we've already established no. No. But, here's the thing. you know, I'm a fan of men, right? Mm-hmm. I love men. One of, you know, some of my best friends are men. I'm married to a man. But alas, I am not a man. And although such talk is so obvious in this in this day and age, seriously, and and I don't necessarily want to go too deep into these waters, but even the very fact that we're talking about men and women, And there is a difference you know, maybe, maybe 20 years ago when you started, you know, wild at heart, ransomed heart, that was more self-evident than it is now today. It's not so self-evident. And I don't know. I I think I kind of want to start there. Like, why is this, why does this even matter?
0: Yeah, Nancy, I think to be um, real frank, um, I appreciate you saying that women have a role to help see men uh, be strengthened and healed and restored. And that's true. But I think before we can get there to honor the the nature of the soul is we have to start with the grief Mm. of how women have been failed. You have to start with the disappointment. You have to start with the honest ways that women have either by omission of withholding men being passive choosing not to offer their strength and love or men by commission choosing to offer power and aggression in a self-seeking self-serving manner women have been hurt and so for every woman out there listening i think before we can talk about restoration we have to be honest with the grief and we have to be honest with with saying and naming that's not okay You are a treasure. You too are an image bearer of the living God. You've been bestowed with a dignity. You have a heart that matters, a gifting, a brilliance, and a calling to bring to the world as life giver, um, as life saver that has to be acknowledged and honored and has to grieve what hasn't transpired. So I I think we have to start there.
2: And you know what? I I think... That really is an important place to start. And again, I appreciate that you bring that up because, boy, as I think about it, you know, we, everybody, everybody wants to do their best, right? Like nobody intentionally wants to hurt anybody. And yet, because we do live in a broken world and we are broken people and, you you know, you trace that all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? The reasons why we're broken. Um, We whether unintentional, like you said, commission, omission, we hurt each other. And and that has vast implications to generations and gender, you know, which is what we're talking about. So, yeah,
0: so really significant. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I would name is some words from a great sage and elder, a father in the faith, Dallas Willard, brilliant theologian. He mm-hmm. he penned it this way. But He penned it this way. He said that the primary work of God is finding people and particularly finding men and women in whom he can entrust his power. And the story of most men is being entrusted with power and it bringing harm to themselves and those under their care. Yeah, Yep. I wrote that down actually when I read that line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so significant because sometimes we live in the forest and we have to back up and look at the trees because we all have a clear and present kind of pain point. But when we back up, these themes are so fundamental to the nature of reality. You go on the internet today and just Google the news. And in the top five stories, you will find a story that is somebody, often a man, entrusted with power. And that power does not go well. It's self-harming and it doesn't bring the care, the good, the glory to a realm that was entrusted to his care. And that realm may be a home, it might be a church, it might be a family, it might be a business, a political party, a nation. And so we have to wonder what's gone wrong. And Nancy, I think it's so important. This is the hope, this is the confidence that we have to start with what's most true. That the most important thing we can know, and this is so important for women, the most important thing we can know about the human person is that we bear the image of God and we bear the image of God as man and as woman. woman, And it's such an important lens. When we come to any person and we come to any situation, we have to come with the lens. It's in there, in that man that's driving me crazy. It's in there, the dignity of God's image in that woman that I cannot figure out and I cannot seem to know or understand. It's in there, the image of God. And when we relate to the image of God in the person, then we can see who God intended them to be. We can see with the eyes of our heart and fight for who they have yet to become. And that's why it's so important to have a growth mindset not to have a not to have a fixed mindset believing that people can't change.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So here's the thought that just popped into my head while you're saying that. So this with this grief, I think also comes a confusion, right? Because we, you know, we taught you just you just said, you know, the image of God is man is created in the image of God, woman is created. So it's male and female both. And yet I think Part of the result of this grief of us wounding each other all the way back to the fall, now we're seeing a kind of confusion where I think people's answer to that is how do we bridge that gap? How do we get back to, you know, to uh, what was meant to be is, is almost to approach, to approach gender through the lens of androgyny. Right? right so so right. no male no female so we're all you know so it's all just kind of one and so i don't know so i'm sure you've given this some thought but i would i would love to hear some of your thoughts about that
0: yeah i think it's um, a couple of things first of all we're stepping into deep mystery right god does not like to be canned and contained and put in a simple little box that we can control and we can manipulate, and we can use for self-interest. God is a person, and he exceeds our wildest imagination. And one of, I think, the most helpful acts that I ever do in prayer, and we do as a family, and part of our daily prayer, we call it the daybreak prayer, is we break the agreements we have made with Mm -hmm. limits we've placed on who God can be, what he can do and how he can do it. And what we also do is we agree in our spirit with who God is, what he's doing and how he's doing it. And and Nancy, part of that is a confession, is God is beyond the limits that I've placed on him. God is beyond my understanding on this day. And that's hopeful because there's more of God than I can ask for and imagine. So I come to God with a posture of curiosity of where have I placed limits on you, God? And so I think that's really huge. I think the other thing I would suggest is God is gender full. It's very important to understand that all of image bearing flows out of God's heart. In God is everything that is the fullness of femininity. And in God is everything that's in the fullness of masculinity. And that's why so much of the movement of the gospel is intended to be a reparenting. It's a returning of our heart to God as father and God as mother. And in a very patriarchal culture, it's very hard to wrap our brains about around it, but our hearts will resonate it. It's just fascinating. You read in Isaiah, in Isaiah 66, there's this amazing prophetic word where this this master of penmanship, built with the Spirit of God says, God will fill us with robust well-being. It says we will nurse at the breast of God. Okay, this is wild mm-hmm. stuff, but we mm-hmm. are on a podcast with a hosted by a woman, predominantly yes. by women. So I'm just going to four go misfits. There.
2: So yeah, so For let's misfits, go there.
0: Okay, so yeah. I'm going to go weird. I'm going to go misfit on you. Okay, I'm, I'm borrow with you from the Bud Light commercial it was a super bowl commercial where all these weird misfits were doing misfit sort of things. They had yep. their weird, you know, um, act where they would rub the head of the, the bald headed guy until <laughs> the field goal was kicked. And they would have their weird hand gesture that they promised would work to win the super bowl game. And everyone did their weird thing. They, and they our won people. the game right? And then it says, it's only weird if it doesn't work. That's our tribe okay? right there. <laughs> that's, that's your tribe. And that's Jesus is the champion of your tribe. He said the same thing. It was a different translation. He says, you'll Got know it. it by its fruit. Right, but right, that's right. just another way of saying, it's only weird if it doesn't work. The kingdom of God is a weird place. You read the gospels for what they are. You see very weird people doing very weird things, but the right. motivation is always love. It's not misfit for misfit's sake. It's misfit to be true, to bring love. And so God brings, bestows mothering to us. He bestows a sense of worthiness of love and belonging. We're meant to literally be saturated and satisfied with the life of God like a nursing baby, so much so that it says we will burst with joy and feel 10 feet tall. That's a fascinating idea. When does a man burst with joy? and feel 10 feet tall, and so much of what you meet when you meet a man, and I want to speak to the ladies, married to a man who has a lot of a boy inside, okay, so with compassion, the man you're married to, much of him is very likely to be a boy that's uninitiated by a loving father, and a boy who's not been nourished, comforted, and soothed by a loving mother, who has provided what he's needed, not because he's earned it, but because he's worthy of love and belonging, because he exists. And that's the miracle of the validation of mothering, that we are worthiness, we have worthiness of love and belonging because we exist. And when a man is satisfied. When a man knows that he's worthy of love and belonging, he can bring a strength in love to a woman. But so often a man comes to a woman looking to be mothered for the young um, emaciated boy inside. And we're talking deep waters, but you women, if you pause and just observe, you may see these patterns.
2: For sure. I mean, I think probably every woman that you know has acknowledged that, you know, there's there are two ways to to approach this, this mother, you know, say, so, oh yeah, boys will be boys. And, you know, and, and we, so there's that acknowledgement and and we all see that, but there's another piece to this. I think what we do in an unhealthy way, when we see, you know, we see that, what you're talking about, a man who, you know, has that boy that's longing for that kind of mothering. I think when, out of our woundedness, Sometimes we as women can mother in the wrong way in that, that harsh, criticizing, finding fault with, "When are you ever going to grow up diminishing way? And, you know, and yeah, yeah. And it is. And, and it's, again, it's that, it's that circle. Why do we do it? Because we're wounded and why, you know, and then, you know, where do you find the beginning of it? Which I know is why you wrote this book is okay. We got to stop this cycle. We have to, you know, get some healing for ourselves so that we can go forward.
0: Well, a big part of understanding that's so crucial is a boy and a girl. And the boy in a man and the girl in a woman need different things. We all need a fundamental sense of worthiness, of love and belonging. There are universal things. And that's where there's mystery. There are universal things that every human soul needs to receive. But we also have unique things that are very gender-centric. And so what happens is we end up shutting down the gender-centric pieces rather than really identifying that's god um the image of god in a person but it needs to be cultivated matured healed and set in the service of love and so I'll give an example i was a young man and i was in john and stacy's home i was interning for john 22 years ago and he had three wildly crazy boys and we were working in his kitchen and one boy came in crying um, Samuel, cause he just beat on blame. And I had never seen modeled for me a Christ centered way of parenting. And so John has screaming boys and one guy yelling and Stacy's overwhelmed. And John gets down on his knees, eye to eye soul to soul with his oldest son, Samuel and says, Samuel, I see that you're beating on blame. And Samuel looked him in the eye and said, yes, dad, and, he, and this was his response, Nancy. He said, Samuel, God has made you strong and powerful. Hmm. Do you think God gave you that strength and power to hurt your brother mm, mm, or mm. to help your brother? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in that moment, what John was doing was making a distinction between the behavior and right. the person, right. right? That thing, that same power to bring harm is the same power that can bring strength and healing. The same power in a man to bring greed is the same power that's needed for a man to bring a robust economy. The same power that causes a man to be cowardice and self-saving is the same power that evokes a man to be courageous and sacrificial on behalf of others. And so we cannot diminish the power, take away the power and expect a man to be a man. C.S. Lewis, the one, is the said it basically simply, you can't have eunuchs, you castrate the gelding and you bid them be fruitful. So that was English mm, language from decades yeah. ago, but he basically says yeah. you chop something off yeah. and then you ask them to be a man. And so it's not yeah. the removal of the yeah. masculine strength but it's the restoration of it.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and and rather than shaming it, which I think I don't know why we do this, but you know, whether the child, the boy choosing to empower rather than shame because we we all have that within us. So all right. So here's here's the other thing. I'm going to go back a little bit further because this is just circling in my head. You said God is gender full. And I took note of that because I think a lot of, a lot of us think, well, no, God is gender free. But th- there's a vast difference, like, vast right? Difference. Yeah, between vast. gender free and gender full. And I love that you use that term.
0: Sure. Well, it's, it's immensely helpful. So we all have a worldview. We are, our, our actions reveal our beliefs 100% of the time. So you can set your theology aside. It actually doesn't matter what you have on your doctrinal statements. You have a way of believing that mm-hmm. is fully expressed by your actions, okay? And so we adopt a worldview and we have a strong culture. I was traveling, I was backpacking as a college kid trying to find my heart and find God. And I came into this map store and there was a map of the world. And North America, the United States, was way to the left side. And Europe was in the center of this map. I was a, mm-hmm. a junior in college. And I remember my first thought, Nancy, was, oh, that's, they cut the map wrong.
2: That's wrong. That's yeah, machine, that's,
0: that's not right. right? Yeah, because they, they, yeah, we're not the map. center
2: of the world.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that moment, it was the first time in my life it dawned on me that The United States of America is not the center of the world. Now, understand Uh, that's not my fault. I was born as a white male American, right? I was born with an American-centric worldview, and I had to step out of my world to understand that America is not the center of the world or the universe, Okay. Boy, yeah. And so yep. it's the same with That's gender important. that we yep. have a patriarchal society, but the fact is the, the the scriptures are clear in the image of God, he created us. He created many creators and then it said male and female, he created us. And so God literally says, my image is expressed as woman. My image is expressed as as man, And that's where when you read through all the sacred texts, what you see is a litany of restoration happens in gender specific ways. And so I believe all the debate about gender and gender spectrum and gender neutrality would simply dissolve if we saw men becoming restored as God intended them to be in all their particularities and all their mystery of women being restored as God intended them to be in all their particularities in all their mystery. It would literally be literally be a non-conversation.
2: Wouldn't that be lovely? And and I, yeah, I mean, and I do believe that it will come to that because, you know, the the truth is The truth is the truth and it will stand on its own. Um, But it's so interesting to me because I think our tendency, whatever our worldview is, whatever we are entrenched in, we tend to be kind of polarized in our thinking. So we think it either has to be this or that. And if it can't be this, it's kind of like whoever's in power, that's the dominant force, like patriarchy, matriarchy. But there's this third dynamic I see coming into play where it's like, well let's just say it's neither rather than saying both it's just neither so let's just live in this amorphous place where it's not really feminine it's not really masculine and we can all live in harmony and how is that working out
0: exactly right you know it by its fruit right and that's where it really is helpful to look at children it's really helpful to start there because the, the brilliance of children is they have not yet learned how to create a caricature that self protects them, a way to make life work apart from their true self. They've not yet become cynical, shut down. But we all create these elaborate fig leaves over time that allow us to make work, life work apart from God. That that, and so children, when they are innately set free, just want to be honest that. In general, not exclusively, but in general, Mm -hmm. boys and girls do very different things. If you just look at boys and girls in general on smartphones, when you watch boys and girls become young teenagers, it's fascinating that the vast majority of boys are gaming on their devices, that they are having competition of success and failure battle adventure on these devices, girls in general are spending way more time using their devices and social media that are relational platforms. And those are very different expressions. The boys fundamentally gravitate towards these issues of success and failure battle and defeat and conquer and women generally gravitate towards things that are relationally centered. And and I see that in my children. And now I have to understand we're treading on very precarious waters. and We can have rebuttals for all of it. And there are cultural realities, but we can't dismiss design.
2: Right, right. And I think that is important. And as you say not to be contentious, not because we know hey it takes every kind of people and God loves us all. So but but what you're saying I think is very important if we're going to be grounded in reality, let's say. Um exactly. and Yeah, and we can go from there, but the reason I think this is so important is you know, here's the other thing. You talked about the you know, the fullness, God is gender full. You also we talked about weird and the implication of weird is that it implies that there's a normal, right? And yes. in your book, you you know, you talked about this specifically. I was your chapter on sonship and fatherlessness, and to me, it's all related. So I'll try to I'll try to get to it and see if I can make sense of it. You talked about um, there was oh gosh, there was that story about the nuns, right? The nuns who um, the nun yes, in the prison in who Albee.
0: right? Yeah, right. yeah. The nun was working in the prison with, with yeah. prisoners.
2: Yes, and mothers like the mother's role in uh, so so asking for Mother's Day cards, and all the prisoners wanted the Mother's Day cards. Um, right? She
0: but, ran out of cards. She literally right. out free Mother's Day cards. She ran out, and she actually had to go to Hallmark and try to get more Mother's Day cards to fill the need for all these prisoners that wanted to say Happy Mother's Day.
2: Right, right. And then the same thing she tried to do for Father's Day, and what
0: happened there? She went to Hallmark. And she requested boxes of Father's Day cards. And she went back to the same prison, to the same men, and said, it's Father's Day. Who would like a Father's Day card? And not one no, man wanted a Father's Day card. Yeah. Like right? 75% yeah. Of incarcerated oh. men grew up in a home without a father. Yeah.
2: and And how devastating that is. And yet... So here's here's where I'm going with this. I know it's a long way to go, but um you talked about how that's just kind of become normal, right? Fatherlessness is a normal thing and and, and that's kind of, that's tragic, right? So right. here here's my thought about this. So I'm going to I'm going to try to do a whole bunch here see if see if it wraps together. We're hearing Right now, in this age that we're in, right, everybody's quarantining and, you know, various stages of reopening, we're hearing the term a new normal a lot, right? Um, and in a sense, that term in and of itself, whether we're talking about this situation that we're all in right now or fatherlessness or, well, that's just the way it is with men and men will be men and women will be women. It's always going to be this way with enmity. There's a resignation in that right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, in a sense, it's like, yeah, things, they aren't as they should be, but hey, what are we going to do? We can't fight it. It's happening. So let's just give into it, right? Let's just learn to live with it. Let's make the best of it. Let's call it a new normal. And I don't know, I something's, something's not right about that to me. And I just want to hear from you about that.
0: Yeah. What's really fascinating, the message of becoming a king, which has been curated and distilled over two decades of of me, taking my ache and longing to be curious about recovering this ancient path, this ancient process, in all of it, what I found is the access point for a man is when life no longer is working. What I find is the best men are thirsty men eager to become true, to become whole, to become who God meant when he meant them but life is breaking down. And often that happens when a man comes into weighty consequences and circumstances. Mm-hmm. Often it's when he be, he gets married, he has children, he takes on a full-time job and all of a sudden things shift. Something like my life matters to other people, right? That my decisions have consequences. Some of my life is behind me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm you can no longer live sloppy you have to pay attention to the check engine light that's lighting up on the dashboard of your soul you can't ignore that and so so often when a man steps into that decade it's when things start popping and it's it's also true of women in very different ways but also right. true and so what happens is a world a man's world is shaken and he has a chance will he replace his exclamation points about what he's come to believe and think and act and do with genuine question marks. Will he begin to ask questions? What's not working? And what do I want to do about it? And what I love is God waits to be wanted. A.W. Tozer said, Mm -hmm. he waits Mm -hmm. to be wanted. He's patient, he's kind, and he's curious. And so I, for two decades, have just waited for men who are ready and thirsty. The message is available to many, but it's only a few that respond. And so what's happening, Nancy, in our culture, I believe, is there is a universal shaking. We, both you and I and all the listeners, have never lived through a time in history where the entire world, our global economy, our global culture has been shaken in the brilliance mm-hmm. of shaking. As Hebrew says, when things are shaken, what it reveals is what can be shaken and what cannot be shaken. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. believe if there is to be a new normal, it's an opportunity to see where the kingdoms of, that we have built are propped up. Like a like an over uh, an overmature tree that's transplanted, and you have to have huge stakes and care for the roots to catch up to what you see above the water line, above the earth. There are so many men, so many of us who have have created oversized kingdoms. We have too much kingdom and not enough wholeheartedness and maturity to handle it and it's not until the storm comes that it reveals the actual condition of the roots. So I believe we are in a time of shaking among other things and that shaking is revealing for the good of what can be shaken and what cannot be shaken.
2: And that that is a great definition of new normal. It's what what remains that cannot be shaken. That is the new normal and that's what we can yeah. cling to. And that's our hope. So, exactly. all right. Now I got, all right, I got to go here um, because this is actually related to what you just said. So with this, you know, you you talked about character and, you know, men are powerful and women are powerful in a different way, but let's talk about men for a second, if that's all right with you, um, since you wrote the book. Um, okay, we are meant to be powerful. Men are meant to be powerful. And yet, as you, you know, you talk about in the book, not only, we find that many men abuse this power, you know, and you gave examples of, the things that people do, you know, just abusing people, uh, just financially or physically or whatever. But you know, there's also a dynamic that I see. I see it in a lot of men, lot of lot of really good men who are who are living a truly heroic, selfless life. And in many ways, they seem to be driven to the sidelines by mm-hmm. maybe some of these other men. And you know what? It's it's disheartening. It's just disheartening to see that because here they are living out this life, and yet our culture says, uh, eh, you're not important. You're not going to be the CEO. You're not going to be the leader. You're not going to see, you know, and they, they kind of see their dreams passing by, and I would just love for you to say something encouraging to them.
0: Yeah, the, the battleground is always motive. The battleground is always motive, and as Dallas Willard said, everything that matters is invisible. It's Really important to think about that. Mm -hmm. Everything that matters is invisible. And so what I would suggest is if we are the center of our story and fundamentally life is up to us, and that's what most men believe. And that's what much in every man believes in myself as well. It's a part being healed, being restored, but men fundamentally in a fallen world come with the sense of life is up to me. I -hmm. need to make it happen. Right. And therefore most men feel chronically behind. You just name Mm -hmm. any Mm -hmm. subject, whether it's fitness or marriage or finances or yard work, men feel behind. It's never enough. And so fundamentally there is a, um, a culture of men feeling behind. And when we begin to risk receiving God as a father who's actually initiating our story, who's actually the beginning of it, and our job, our heroic task is not to be in charge, but to respond Mm. to God's initiative, to participate with God, to believe that someone beyond us us is authoring our story, a couple things happen. And first, we're, we're able to rest. Even as I say the words, I feel this weight come off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's not up to me. What if I have a good, good father orchestrating my restoration, my initiation, my purposes under heaven that cannot be thwarted by evil? by the fallenness of this world, or by any broken man? What if God's prevailing goodness will be the major theme? What if the story's not over? And even though there are some things that are out of my control, where I can rest and draw strength is a loving father that's orchestrating my initiation. And what happens, Nancy, in that is the pressure's off. Life doesn't have to work out. The question shifts from how do I save my marriage with my wife, who is severely struggling with anxiety and depression, which was my story a decade ago. I was on the brink of losing my marriage. How do I save my marriage? How do I save my career? How do I save my reputation? It shifts to some of those things and parts of all those things I cannot control. But this is the one thing I can control. What kind of man will I become? And if I believe that I have a father that's the center of my story, I shift from engineering smallness, as Brene Mm. Brown articulates it. I shift from engineering smallness to participating and responding to God's particular affectionate, generous, intended plans for me to become everything that he meant when he meant me.
2: You know, it's, that's just so important. It's important for all of us. You know, I I always default to George Bailey because that's just the way I think, you know, and it's a wonderful life. And that, I mean, that's, that's the story of his life, right? That no man is a failure who has friends and and all that he did for his town. Um, But there's a deep truth there for For men and for women, and and this is what you're saying that this is it's not up to us entirely. It's up to us to be to believe it, right? You said, you know, as you said earlier, to break the disagreements as you do in your in your daily prayer with your family, break the disagreements and agree with what is true, and yes. act on what we believe
0: and it's so hopeful, Nancy. Here's the hope. And so much of this is expressed in in parenting, and I'm sure many of your your precious listeners are parents. And here's an example one of my mentors was, uh, um, his son became sexually active in high school and he was just devastated because that's not, um, what he had shepherded his heart to choose. And at the end of the day, his son was making, um, self-harming choices. And I sat down with his mentor and I said, how are you doing? And he looked me in the eye and he said, the good news is my children are not responsible for my happiness. Mm. and Nancy to have a moment, right and yep. this man had actually passed through enough of his initiation had become enough wholehearted had become so wholehearted in his center that he could stand in the face of a son making a terribly self-harming choice making a choice that would break the heart of the father and yet have so much sense of value of worthiness in God, of confidence in God's prevailing goodness, that he actually would extract his need for happiness from the demands of his child providing for that. He could preserve relationship, could keep the lines of communication open, to have access to the true heart of his son and to become the kind of father who his son felt safe to come to him and say, this is what's happening in my life. And so what's so beautiful about taking this path of of maturation and restoration as a man and as a woman and fighting for that unique path in our spouse and the other um, opposite gender in our world is we begin to rely less on externals, other people, and other things to provide us a sense of happiness. And we're able to bring a strength, to bring a dignity, to bring a life-saving quality to those people that's separate from circumstances and outcomes.
2: Right. And isn't that kind of what God does for us, right?
0: (laughs) Oh, right. Imagine how much we break his heart, yeah. and yet he he's, he's relentless in his pursuit. I love, Tozer says he's the hound dog of heaven. Mm. His picture mm-hmm. a dog always chasing back that just wants to lick you and attack you and holds no record of wrongs. And that's the heart of our father and our mother in heaven that's ever pursuing us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, oh. I thought I could get through a whole podcast without having to edit because my thought just left my head. It'll come back though. Um, while,
0: while you're lingering yeah. on that <laughs> okay. spot, may I ask you a question? Yeah. I'm um, So I, this is enjoyable and I really like you. Uh, I want to take a risk and say, Nancy, as a man, I rarely get the privilege of being with um, a courageous woman who would host Um, a space for us to dialogue on these things with your tribe. And so I'd like to ask you, believing that I'm a man that has ears to hear, what is it that you would want to share with me as a man by way of being known and being valued as a woman that can help me as a man be able to love women?
2: Boy, that's a great question. And it deserves more than like a pat answer. Um, I think it's going to sound like a pat answer, but it really, really isn't. Listening, listening.
0: And can you say, can you, can you give an example of how that's happened in your life or how you would have wanted that listening? to come from a man where you would have felt loved and known and seen and valued.
2: I think in some ways it's, it can be as simple as just allowing that space to even finish the thought because We do this to each other, you know, and and I know I I do it all the time because I think by talking. So if I have a thought, I just say it. Um, But sometimes we cut each other off, right? Sometimes we think, oh, I know what you mean, so I'm going to jump blah, 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 blah. And I do that. So I'm I'm, I'm well aware, but I'm also hyper aware because, you know, when someone's doing it to me, then it's really bad. Um, If I'm trying to express a thought, and it might take me a minute to get there, this is probably more my personality and, and the fact that I'm a woman, so it's all blended together, but I need a minute to get there to make my point. But if before I've made my point, someone, a man or a woman, but since you're talking about men, if if they jump in thinking they already know what I mean, yeah, often I haven't had a chance to really say, well, no, no, I was going someplace with this.
0: So the way I hear, what I hear you saying, tell me if I'm hearing you correctly, that what would love you is a man who listens to you. And what you mean by that is that you are a verbal processor. Oh yeah. So part of your thinking is actually happening, happening in your talking. And so yes. what often happens is you're actually not able to be heard because you're not done thinking as you've expressed in your words. And sometimes you need a pause where you just need a minute to get more words communicated, or even a pause after your words for those words to soak in. And to love you as a man would be a to host a space where you can be heard and you would have the time. You wouldn't feel rushed, you wouldn't feel blocked in and you would have the time expansively to express words and truly be heard.
2: Oh boy. Yeah. That's a really nice way of putting it. I would say, like, honestly, I, I would just, I would have just said, yeah, just be patient (laughs) because it'll come out. But, um, but there is, but there is something there because it's, it's patience, but it's also, um, Oh gosh. It's allowing. I guess. Yes. Yeah, see. No, even now, I think this is this is me personally. I don't know if I'm representing my gender with this, but I know for me personally, I I often feel get to the point get to the point, and I try. I really do. I try to be concise. I try not to take up a lot of space. I try to say what I need to say. And I've been working on that, you know, and, you know, like in the working world, you you have to do that. You can't expect that people are going to give you all that space. Um, but it is, even as we're talking about it, I have never, thank you for giving me this opportunity to articulate that because that is, that is something that I do find very valuable. Um, someone that would give me the the grace and the patience to, to express what I'm trying to say.
0: Nancy, I think what I'd like to reflect back to you just in this moment of connection, I think it's important to simply name out loud, you are worthy of space. (laughs) You're worthy of space. You're worthy of time. Like You are worth that. And one of the exercises, uh, I hope that there are some men listening, and because this has also been a pain point with my wife, in our marriage, my bride, Sherry, she started this little practice in our marriage that at first really bugged me. And now it's become in humility, a lifesaver. She often says to me, Morgan, I need you to be my friend and not my husband right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I have to go, okay, recalibrate. I am not husband. I am friend. And so then it's simply the invitation. Don't fix me. Don't cut this off short. Don't be a strategist. Don't solve this. Don't even respond to this. I need you to be my friend and come to the center of how I'm feeling. And so we do a thing. We just do it called take 10 where she gets five minutes and then I get five minutes and we have five minutes to share and be known Knowing the other person will also get five minutes to share and be known with no response, no rebuttal, no fixing. This is coming to the center, not as a spouse, but as a friend. And it's awesome because Nancy, a lot of the time she has to deal with my crap. She's coming Mm -hmm. to me going, can I tell you what my husband said to me? Like you would not believe this. So I just came home Mm -hmm. and I've been working my tail off with these kids all day and trying to lead these yoga classes online and trying to deal with COVID and trying to deal with my in-laws. And then he gives me this look. Now he didn't use words, but I know what he was saying. As husband, I freak out, right? I go into defense mode. But as friends, I go, no, he didn't. No, he (laughs) didn't. You're telling me he gave you that look? oh my goodness, as your friend, I am so sorry. And I know that he's given you that look a lot of times. That look says things that are not true about who you truly are. I hear you. I see you. It's good to know you in this place. And then we're done. And it's just a practice of coming to the center and being known.
2: Yeah. 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 That's really good stuff. And You know, it's funny because I know this is a universal thing and yet we're, we're not universal people, right? We're individuals. So it all, it all hits us in a different way.
0: Right. And And we need to own it. Yeah. And that's where, as we're talking about genders, one of the things I elaborate in the book, that's really vital for, for a woman that wants to love and understand men. I have this, this chapter on becoming a generalist. And what's so important is we are very unique. We all bear the image of God that's utterly unique. We all bring something of the heart of God that no one else brings. We all know something about the heart of God that no one else knows. We all have a unique Mm -hmm. gifting and purpose in this world. And yet that uniqueness was intended to be set on the foundation of that, which is universal. There are things we share in common that every woman shares in common as a life-giving image bearer as a woman. And there are things that all men are meant to share in common. And we don't have Mm -hmm. time in this podcast to unpack it all. But what I want to suggest is so much of what's been stolen from masculinity um, and been, been stolen and lost and surrendered are the things that universally Make us men. There are parts of men that have been uninitiated, atrophied, have gone asleep. And part of the restoration of masculinity is not only to become the unique craftsmen and specialists that we're intended to be and bring in the world, but to seat that on the foundation of all the things that make us truly masculine, not as a caricature, but as an essence, as an image bearer, as God in, in, is the image bearer of a living God. And so. For women that are listening, that are intrigued, I really would encourage them out of love to dive into that chapter and that content on becoming a generalist as it flows out of understanding your husband or men in your world that need to become first sons. It will be really orienting.
2: Okay so this brings it full circle in my mind to what you kind of began this conversation with that god is gender full right not either or not gender free but as you just you know you just talked about the same thing that we are uni- we are unique and we're universal at the same time yeah. it's not we're not these generic people but we are uniquely made within the universe that, that God created us to be a part of, an integral part of. Um, but, you know, as, as Ransomed Heart often says, you know, we're part of the story. It's a bigger story,
0: right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So much yeah. of our frontier, a question that's really important for every soul is what is your frontier? And not to be caught in semantics on it, but the idea of what is the threshold? of your growth mindset? Where is the particular place that you can participate with God as a man or as a woman, that God is leading you through initiation and restoration of your heart as a person? And so where do you find discomfort? Where do you feel awkward? Where do you feel out of place? Where do you feel young? some of those indicators are a really helpful on-ramp for how we can love the people that have been entrusted to our care. Mm -hmm. And so for men, for example, there are men that feel very powerful in a white collar boardroom on the golf course at a five-star meal. But when their car breaks down and the tow truck guy shows up and they're both looking under the hood and the tow truck guy goes, what do you think's wrong? Mm -hmm. And that man freaks out. He feels like a boy because he has no idea what's wrong. What's wrong is it won't run. It was running before and now it's broken because no one's ever taught him how to have a fierce mastery over this thing, this vehicle that's been entrusted to his care. There's a whole other kind of guy that grew up working with his hands, working with tools, working in a shop. And he's a man's man. And then you put him at a fancy dinner table you know, with, with extra forks and extra spoons. And he's totally uncomfortable, right? He feels uninitiated. He feels like a boy. And so our frontier is very unique to every person, but that's a place I would invite people to explore with curiosity as we wrestle with how do we love, how do we love people into becoming who God meant when he meant them?
2: Yeah. So yeah, those weak, those weird, those awkward and young places that are, you know, where we're out of our element, those are the places we want to avoid like the plague, right? No, don't right. go there. And yet you're saying, go there, but don't go there in your own strength. Go there with Jesus. Let Jesus meet you there and and see, and see what he might want to do with that and see where, where he can take you with that.
0: God loves to father and mother his children. He loves to orchestrate an initiation for the boy and the girl in our world. We get to be curious with our faith, to listen in and be attentive, to say, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? And how can I participate? And that's where we can find joy. Everything around this message can be found at becomingaking.com there is a beautiful video trailer that i think will really ca- captures the essence of the questions in the heart of a man and i put together a six part video series and an in-depth study guide and the intent is to help people recover this path and this process of how do we become the kind of person the kind of man the kind of queen the kind of king to whom God can gladly entrust more and more of the care of his creation. And so you can find out more at becomingaking.com.
1: Friends, I hope you enjoyed this podcast recording with Nancy Carmichael and the Isle of Misfits. Before we turn a corner and go to other things, I want to invite you just to pause, just to be Um, with God in this moment to recover your breath and to turn your attention back to God. And Father, I want to ask, what is the one thing coming up in this podcast that you are wanting to bring to my attention? What is a story or a phrase or an idea or a way of relating where you are wanting to shine your light and to show me where it is you want me to step next, to risk engaging with you, God? And who is it in my world that I believe might benefit from this podcast, either by simply sharing it with them or living out in my story um, something modeled here or something gained here, something experienced here. Holy Spirit, would you guide me? And Jesus, would you provide power? Father, would you show me your abundant care as we stumble forward together in wanting to grow and wanting mature to mature as your sons and daughters. God, we pause and turn ourselves back to you. We give you ourselves, God. We give you our not yet. We give you our ears. We need to hear your words of affection, your words of counsel, of clarity. We want to be strengthened by you, God, to affirm our capacity to draw healthy boundaries, to dismantle codependency, and to align us, God, with your plans and intentions. We ask, God, that you would seal the treasures from this podcast in our hearts, that it would find ever-increasingly good soil, Where your seeds, the seeds of your life and your intentions can germinate, can be well watered, can establish deep roots. And we can become the kind of men, the kind of people that can weather storms and can bring forth fruit even in times of drought. We love you, God. We trust you and we look to you for guidance and for care.